0: Our next speaker is Dr. Judy St. Ledger. Judy's worked as a marine mammal vet at SeaWorld for over 18 years. Uh, She developed the rising tide conservation about 10 years ago to address the need for marine ornamental aquaculture research, and she currently serves as acting president. Uh, Today Judy is going to be presenting her uh, presentation titled, How's the Rising Tide, Ornamental Aquaculture and how to get involved. So please give it up for Dr. Judy Saint-Ledger. Thanks, Jim. And I'd really like to shout out a big thanks to MASNA uh, for having this MACNA be sort of aquaculture focused. Uh, Folks that have heard me talk in the room before know that I actually think marine ornamental aquaculture is going to help the hobby, the display industry, and all of us, not just in the short term, but in the long term before I even clicked my first slide, I want everyone to sit down if you're saying, oh my God, St. Ledger's completely against collecting fish from the wild. I'm not. I'm about responsible, transparent, and appropriate collecting. And one way to make sure that that's the kind of collecting we have is to have aquaculture alternatives. So is everybody good with that? Deal, then let's talk. Hello, Missy. (laughs) Um, So let me tell you a little bit about Rising Tide Conservation. Um, How many folks in the room have heard of or think they know kind of who we are, what we do? Awesome. I love that because it means about half of you are here to learn a little bit about the program and I'm hoping all of you can learn a little bit about how you can do more with aquaculture research and be a bigger part of an organization like Rising Tide. Now, uh, as Tim said, we started back in 2009. I was working for SeaWorld at the time, and to be honest, my boss said, we have tried for 20 years to aquaculture fishes at SeaWorld to have alternate ways to get fishes in our displays, and it hasn't worked. We never have enough time, we don't have enough space, we don't have enough expertise, what are we going to do? And that's where Rising Tide came from. Rising Tide has no physical building. Essentially, it's about getting together a community of people, people that are researchers at universities, at uh, oceanic institutes, at different facilities that are really committed to, how can we take what we want to do and figure out how to get it done? And let's do it scientifically so we can then transfer the knowledge to other folks who want to do it on a commercial basis. Because what you need is the ability to buy aquacultured fish, right? I won't lie, sometimes I jump up and down and do backflips, which I wish I could do backflips, but let's move on. Um, If we just culture a new fish. But I get so excited because it's one step closer to having that fish in commercial production. And sometimes we produce a fish that I don't even think should be in commercial production but by doing that specific species of fish, we can use the same techniques to try to culture different fish that I think should be in commercial production. Does that make sense? Does it sound like something you think is important? It does to me, okay? Um, We're now a standalone nonprofit. About three years ago, we separated from the SeaWorld Bush Gardens Conservation Fund. SeaWorld is still a major supporter of the Rising Tide Program, but we're now a separate 501 c three. And again, it's about aquaculture for the marine, uh, for the development of an industry and really an enhancement of an industry that since we began, I've been blown away how aquaculture has increased. I'd love to take credit for it, but it'd be full of crap. So to be honest, you all sort of need a shout out for your vision and your understanding that we can aquaculture these fishes. And I will tell you in 2009, a whole bunch of people told me it cannot be done. But it was people like you who said, yes, it can, that helped to make us where we are today and where I think we're going to be 10, 20 years from now is actually a completely different place when it comes to marine ornamental fish. Now, I talk a lot to display aquaria, zoos and aquaria, and a lot of what I say to those folks directly relates to you as well. So if you're a hobbyist, if you're a retailer, if you're a wholesaler or a producer, heck, if you're a researcher, there are good and bad things when it comes to aquaculturing these fish. We talked about the fact that it's not the be all and end all solution. We're still gonna collect fish from the wild. It requires time, money, staff and space and those are limitations that all of us have, all right? It's not just you, it's everybody. It requires right now culturing live feeds as well as culturing larval fish. Well, phew, that's a pain in the neck and it won't lie One of the things I'm constantly promoting with researchers is how can we raise these larval fish, not necessarily culturing feeds and then feeds for those feeds. My God, that's a lot of tanks of water just to raise some little fish. Well, we don't have the answer yet, but that's the kind of research that Rising Tide is really promoting and getting to because the simpler we can make this, the better. It is a slow process, not an easy fix, and I won't lie. Those of you, I've talked to a few people at this magnet who said, hey, I heard your talk 10 years ago, which is a little embarrassing because I already know I'm old enough to be many of your mothers. Um, I'm not, by the way. Um, yeah. But what's important, is, what's important is when we started 10 years ago, I was like, come on, we've got to have the right attitude. We can make this happen. We didn't make things happen as quickly as I thought we could, but dang it, we've gotten pretty far in the past 10 years. And lastly, Go, um We need to consider the economic impacts. There are a number of fish where we can raise them, but it's not economically sustainable to do it. So we need to be selective with the fish that go into aquaculture. Or maybe we need to be selective with the fish that are displayed in public aquaria. Or maybe we need to, there are some fish species that have become more popular because they've been grown in aquaculture. So we all need to be flexible, like Sanjay says. Nobody likes abrupt change, but trust me, when it comes to marine ornamental fish aquaculture, it's a slow burn. Now there are some bads as well. There are definitely, or some goods as well. Oh my God, we did the bads already. Come on. Um, Lots of folks are interested and there's increasing ability uh, and experience, especially with the folks that come here to MACNA on a regular basis. There definitely are um, ways to sort of combat the challenges we have with fish collection. We see more and more fisheries being closed, challenges to how ethical is it for you to go and collect those fish. The fact is, People who house marine fish in their homes love those fish. And I would actually say they don't just love those fish. They're committed to the ocean and the reefs those fish live on. You wouldn't have corals in your home if you didn't think they were awesome. And I think if you think that they're awesome, you care about them in the wild as well. And if that's the case, that's why marine ornamental aquaculture is important. It's important because you already care and you need to make sure other folks know that you care. And when they do, people trying to say, oh, you don't give a damn, are shut down immediately. And that's what we need, because you do give a damn. There is a promotion of conservation. Rising Tide is a conservation initiative. And you say, you're about growing fish in tanks. What the heck is conservation about that? It's about making sure we have alternatives to collecting these fish from the reefs. And I hate to say it, but some of the fish collecting techniques are less than fabulous. When that's the case, if we can come up with an alternative, sometimes it's a much better solution. We need to keep that in mind. Not all wild collection is fabulous. Not all aquaculture is done next week, but we need to get to where things are better and rising tide is about getting us there. Um, And lastly, we have some current programs to make this work. So let's dive a little bit deeper. Rising Tide is about funding researchers, and there's lots of researchers at lots of different places. Now, uh, just like the ebb and flow of the values in your tank, we certainly have some facilities that we will fund one year, and we might not fund them for a number of other years. Then we may go back to funding them later on. The point behind this is, Rising Tide is about funding the best research we can get and working with researchers that are making a difference to help them do their work. Folks at these uh, facilities have done killer jobs with ornamental aquaculture. And if you've got other people, you're thinking, oh, what about this research institute? You guys really need to connect with them and do something with them. Please come talk to me. Because I'd like to talk to all the good aquaculture folks I can get my hands on. And I'd like to help them do good. And I'd like to sort of use the money that we raise with Rising Tide to do it. Now this is Eric Cassiano, he is, was and is at the University of Florida Tropical Aquaculture Lab. Those folks are in the exhibit hall, so if you go to the show, um, you can stop in, Eric's not there, but um, Matt DiMaggio is. You can talk with him about, hey, I'd like to do some stuff at your lab, let's do a master's degree. Now maybe you don't want to do a master's degree. Okay, fine. Um, But there's lots of different ways you can be involved, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Now, what sort of things do these researchers look into? First of all, this is Javier Montalvo a couple of years ago when he was at the Hub SeaWorld Research Institute. Look how happy that man is. That man loves developing new aquaculture techniques, okay? What's important is the biologists that are doing the work in this program are committed, they are hardworking, and they are smart. And those are the kind of people you want to fund to do work because that's how we get the work to move forward and get stuff done. They do all sorts of things. And we talked a little bit about master's programs as well. This is Grace Sawicki. Grace, are you here? here. Grace is right over there. She's going to finish her master's in a little while and she's looking for a job. So that's Grace. Here she is working with both Tangs and Rasses. Oh, skip ahead, dang it. Working with, she's uh, continued some of our work with the F1 blue tangs, the Pacific blue tangs or hepatis tangs. She's also worked with a number of wrasse species. And I'll actually show you why wrasses are such a focus for some of the work that we're doing right now. But what's important is, Grace came to the tropical aquaculture lab and said, I want to make a difference in aquaculture. And they said, have we got a list of stuff for you. Um, So she really has been not only working on specific projects, but we're gonna talk, can I talk a little bit about fire gobies? Teeny bit, sweet. Um, So when we talk about recent accomplishments, how many of you know that rising tide, um, working with the folks at the Indian River Research and Education Center uh, are saying, hey, we've got these Cuban hogfish under control. Well, dang it, now you know, everybody raise your hand. We got those Cuban hogfish under control. What's important is, it's not just that we raised them, it's that we are now setting up commercial producers with either eggs or brood stock, so that six months from now, if display facilities want Cuban hogfish, they can call up and say, I want some aquaculture Cuban hogfish, and the fish will be available to purchase. So that's a species where we can go from, we've figured out how to raise them, to someone commercially adopting the species and raising the fish. Now banded butterflies, I'm not gonna lie, This is not a species where you can call up a producer today and say, hey, I need some banded butterflies. But I think Chad Callum's here. And I will tell you, five or six years ago, when he first did the yellow tangs, everybody called or emailed and said, hey, how do I get some yellow tangs? Well, now, because Chad has continued on and done awesome work with those fish, he and the folks at Biota are making it so that you can call and get aquacultured yellow tangs. The point is we're moving forward. So we have to take small steps now, but as we do, it leads to big differences. And then lastly, I wanted to talk a little bit about some fish Grace has been working on. These are fire gobies. Yes, whoever says they're not a goby, you're correct. That's just the common name. Um, But what's important is Grace has gotten these guys out to day 52 post hatch, is that right? Day 52, we think that they're gonna settle around day 60. So dang it, like everybody who does research, Can I tell them what happened at day 52? Wasn't there, there was a temperature issue. Let's just call it a temperature issue. Everybody who raises fish or keeps fish knows what that means, all right? There was a temperature issue in the tank and the developing larvae uh, didn't make it past day 52. We expected them to settle around day 60. We need another batch of eggs to sort of set up and continue on the experiment with, hey, can we raise these guys? But truth be told, when you're doing research, Stuff doesn't always work out the first time or the second or the third time. But Grace is in for the long haul and she's prepared to do whatever it takes (laughs) to get these fish raised up. And what we'd like to do is to figure out a way that they can be raised up economically and that we can sort of use the recipe used to raise this fish to do some other related fish species. So that's what Rising Tide's about. It's about good people doing good work that makes a good difference. Um, we work with a number of industry producers and wholesalers. These folks do everything from providing broodstock to helping to expand their production to include the new species um, and establishing new facilities because there's not enough places producing aquacultured species right now, right? If there were, we'd all have tanks filled with aquacultured everything. But, As the technology advances, we need new businesses, and as businesses are willing to expand, it makes a difference in what can be done and what is available to the industry, both for the hobby as well as display aquaria. Now, I like this slide. It's rising tide accomplishments. There's a little disclaimer down here. I guess I should have made the letters very small. (laughs) These are either species we're working on, have worked on, have had minimal successes with, major successes with, or we just think are pretty. And that last part was not true. These are fishes that we've worked on that are important to rising tide. But I put this up there so that everyone understands we're serious about this. We're not working on one or two species. If you follow us on Facebook, you may get updates on one or two species, but we got a whole lot of fishes that are in the works on things. And as we get advances that make a difference and are significant, we're going to tell you about them, but we want to have something to talk about. We just don't want to sort of say, woo, we're doing all sorts of stuff if we can't produce results because rising Tide's about results and I think that's what everybody deserves. So I told you I'd tell you a little bit about wrasses and certainly one of the ways we choose what fish to look at is we say okay what fish are important in the hobby, what fish are important to producers, what fish have important conservation concerns, Um, and it turns out that one of the groups of fish that sort of rose to the the level of hey this is this is a fish that needs to be evaluated and really considered seriously based on this article that was published in PLOS One are the Rasses. So here you see the Cuban hogfish, the cleaner rass. Um, we've got this cleaner rass. The bottom line is: Rasses are an important family of fish that need to be focused on. Now, maybe it's not the number one family of fish that we need conservation-wise. Maybe it's not the number one family of fish that everybody wants in their tanks. But in truth, it sort of speaks to all of those elements in one way or another. And that's why this is an area where we're specifically focusing right now. Okay, Now, we also sort of do this forward focus thing. Two years ago, we have a stakeholder meeting every year. How many of you have been to our stakeholder meeting? Okay, Up until 2020, it's been free to attend. And there has been free liquor. That's going to end, but free liquor will continue. So So the Rising Tide Stakeholder Meeting uh, will happen in the spring of 2020 in San Diego, California. Um, And what's important is that you have the ability, if you say, look, here's my area of interest, my involvement, here's what I can do as an active stakeholder in the organization, let's get you out there and have your voice heard. These are three different sort of, uh, we said to folks, you give us a list of the top 25 fish we should work on. You don't have to give us your uh, theory behind it. Is it conservation? Is it industry importance? Is it uh, fish value? So sustainability and aquaculture are most important. But these are three where we said, hey, based on those criteria, which fish do you think we should work on? Now, I'm not gonna lie. Remember I talked about fire gobies, and I don't even know if we've got fire gobies anywhere on these lists. Because we always have this category we call fishes of opportunity. And this was a recommendation from our first stakeholder meeting back in 2009. Folks said, look, you should always have your fish you focus on, but the fact is if you're collecting eggs from large aquaria, if someone's got a great spawn of eggs in their tank, we should ship those eggs and see if we can raise those fish. Because if we can, we may open up doors we never even thought about. So we have this category of fishes of opportunity. So when we're doing fish, we always have a focus, but we have sort of a a little bit of wiggle room. And that wiggle room is an area where some of you in the room have already played a part. We have had some major advances based on collections that have happened at Display Aquaria. So folks at Columbus Aquarium said, hey, we collected these eggs. They shipped the eggs to Florida. They were able to raise up the fish. And some of the species that we were able to really produce, it was simply because the fish were available. But here's the, the best closer of the story. Columbus Aquaria then said, you know what? We want to collect eggs from our tank and we want to raise up those fish here. And so they now have expanded aquaculture production of an angelfish species because they said, you know what? We can grow this. And they are. And that's what I want to see. More folks who say, we can do this and getting it done. Now, again, it's a stakeholder model. So Rising Tide doesn't have a physical place. If you send US mail to Rising Tide, I'm going to tell you the truth, it goes to my house. Okay? We don't have a building in New York or anywhere else. We don't have some huge aquarium facility. It's a broad base. Okay? That broad base involves a whole lot of different creatures. But what we do is we have lots of options for integrating on lots of, of fronts and we have lots of partners. And that's what I want to talk about next, is how can you get involved as a partner for Rising Tide? Now, Display Aquaria do everything from having tanks that are committed to just showing aquacultured species to collecting eggs and shipping them to us to educating the public. Everywhere from, this is from uh, SeaWorld of Orlando, and they've got in their shark exhibit, they said, hey, we're going to put up an exhibit that talks about Rising Tide. And they didn't have a bucket of money to do this. But they said, you know what? We've got a tank that needs to be rehabilitated. When we rehabilitate it, we're gonna fill it with aquacultured fish and we're gonna put in messaging that talks about what happens at rising tide. So it was a clever sort of grassroots, behind the scenes way to get something done and it makes a difference. And making a difference is, about, is the way to make things happen. So what can you do? I'm gonna give you 10 different ways that you can engage with rising tide. And believe me, Sanjay knows this, if they gave me an extra hour, I'd give you 20, all right? The fact is, I'd love to have a broader base for rising tide conservation because I need more commercial producers, I need more researchers, I need more students, and I need those students and researchers so I can improve what's available for those commercial producers. And I want all of you to help me do it because I think you are the best people in America to know where I can find these people. Now, how many of you are Facebook friends to Rising Tide? OK. All of you people that didn't raise your hand, how many of you are on Facebook? OK. All of the people sitting next to those people. Make them stop paying attention to me right now. Have them get out their phone and, I don't know, what do you do? Do you like us? Do you follow us? What do you, I don't know this crap. Like and follow, like and follow Rising Tide Conservation on Facebook. Because if you want to know what's going on, if you want to know when we have student opportunities or internships, you get it on social media. Now we tweet, we Instagram, we Facebook, we have a web page. I don't know what else we do, but back in the room are Huntley and Amanda and they know all of that stuff because they're very smart and I'm very old. Okay, so (laughs) be involved by being educated about what's going on. And the simplest way to do it is just interact with us in social media. Okay. If you have information, if you've got something cool and exciting that's happening in your club, send it to us. We want information that relates to marine ornamental aquaculture. Okay. I won't lie. Your mom's recipe for the best borscht in America, probably great, but not what we're looking to post on our Facebook page. We are looking for images of your eggs and your larvae and the cool stuff that's happening in your world. And we want to talk about it because we want people to be excited and we are happy to help them know what's happening through our social media abilities. So everybody gets that, woo! You do social media crap, right? That's simple and I want you to do it. Now, what else can you do? We're gonna get to money, don't worry. I always get to money, (laughs) You, see, it's so important. He can jump ahead like three slides. We'll be there, babe. Okay? <laughs> but the next thing I want to talk about is purchasing and requesting aquacultured species. Because what's important is, there are a number of species where there are options for aquacultured or, or collected. And there are some species where I think you should say, hey, I want aquacultured. So let's talk, dang it, oh. Let's talk later, <laughs> right? See, you saw the money thing. We're going to get there. Uh, let's talk later about what we can do about that. How many of you are part of uh, an aquatic club or a marine ornamental club? Okay. Do you have frag swaps? Do you have sometimes invited speakers? Dudes, we want money that you raise from your frag swaps. We want to send rising tide biologists to be speakers at your club. We want you to hold pizza and bowling night out where you raise cash for a nonprofit that you think deserves it, and we'd like to be the nonprofit. Now, if you say to me, Look, I don't want to give money to Rising Tide, I don't like the word rising, okay? Whatever. I want to give money to a specific program or a specific student or something very specific, or we want to co sponsor the t shirts that you give away at MACNIN next year. Okay, let us know. We are happy to work with you. We have students, we have programs, we have projects. We'd love to give away t-shirts. You tell us how you want to help us and we are there to take your money, okay? But remember, when you're doing things like hosting scientists, you don't just get some boring guy you know, who's 90 years old tottering around. You get somebody who loves aquarium fish. And I think that's important. You want people who are passionate, who are educated, who care, and who can make a difference. And I don't know anyone that's ever been funded by Rising Tide that doesn't fit those criteria. Now, um, as I said, we have these stakeholder meetings. This is from a few years ago. I think we were in uh, Audubon in Louisiana. Um, You can come with us and become one of our organizational advisors. Now, what do I need from an advisor? I need someone who has specific skills or knowledge that really helps us to move forward, Okay, I need folks, dang it, you'd think I know where my slides are. I need folks who can help us with some of our nonprofit stuff. So I need fundraisers. I won't lie. Is anybody in here a lawyer? See, there's probably 10 lawyers in here, and they're just not raising their hand. You guys are so freaking smart, it's crazy. Um, But we need a new lawyer. Our lawyer retired, dang him. We really could use a CPA. We have a kick-ass treasurer, but I'd like someone to help us with all of our bookkeeping and stuff. So we need a lot of folks. And in a minute, I'm going to have a list of volunteer positions we have going on. Now, how many of you buy stuff off the Internet? Okay. How many of you keep your hands up if you buy it through Amazon? Now, make my day. How many of you do it through Amazon Smile and you put as the nonprofit to get your money, Rising Tide Conservation? A, I love you people with your hands up. And B, everybody who didn't have their hands up, go to Amazon Smile, change your nonprofit organization to Rising Tide Conservation, and I promise you, I will tell you what we do with the money on an annual basis, not necessarily your 57 cents that we got from you know, the new sneakers you bought, but uh, I will tell you where we're using our money, what we're funding, and what we do. Rising Tide runs lean. And we run lean because we want that money to go to researchers and we want those researchers to make a difference. And I want you to be proud of who we are and what we do. Okay? We also have a number of supporters. So there's two ways you can help us with supporters. Just recently, Two Little Fishies says, said, we're going to take part of our proceeds from the sale of our salt boxes, and we're going to donate that to Rising Tide Conservation. So thank you so much, Two Little Fishies, for that contribution. Now, I want everybody in this room to be like little Rising Tide minions. When you go to all those other hard goods, soft goods, and even coral sellers in the show today, ask them if they donate to Rising Tide. How cool is this? You can help us to raise money without giving us a nickel. You just ask the people who make money in our hobby industry to be committed to the industry and help support Rising Tide, and we benefit The company benefits because they dedicate their social responsibility to the industry, and you benefit without spending a nickel. Now, I still want you to spend a nickel, but please help us in simple ways that you can do today in the show, and ask those vendors to support Rising Tide Conservation. And then, okay, yeah, I want your cash, all right? So, next time Dad or Uncle Billy You don't know what to get him for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Buddha's birthday, whatever it comes down to. We're not, you know, we're not judgmental. Put in a donation to Rising Tide, put it in his name, we'd be happy to send the thank you letter to you and to him. Heck, we don't have birthday cards you can get right now, but in the future, if folks love that idea, maybe we can do it, all right? Now, what about raising some fish? There are a number of folks who say, hey, I have the wherewithal, the ability, the space, the time, the money, my God, I want to raise some fish. It's hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard. But this is Matt Whittenridge. He was one of the rising tide biologists more than a week ago. He now has set up Poma Labs. Now, I get that not everybody can set up their own business dedicated to aquaculture of marine fish. But the fact is, we need more businesses that are dedicated to aquaculture of marine fish. So. If you are so inclined, please come talk to us. We'd love to help you sort of walk down the pathway to make that happen. This is the who do I need, what do we need. We need a lawyer, a CPA. We're always looking for help from graphic artists. We definitely are looking for graduate students, interns. We have both paid and unpaid internships. Uh, We have some opportunities to drive fish and eggs in Southern California. Um, We're looking for advisors who say, look, My area of expertise is international conservation, and I get that not everybody's area of expertise is international conservation. But if you've got an uncle, an aunt, uh, if your mom just happens to be on the CITES board, please come help. Come talk to us, okay? You just never know. (laughs) Um, And if there's anyone, does anyone in the room have connections like at FedEx? Maybe an uncle or so. Okay, if you know anyone at this meeting who might have, let's just say an uncle who works for FedEx that might be able to help convince them that they should ship eggs for us for free, I'm just saying, I'm not gonna say any names, but if you come ask me later, I'll let you know who you should talk to. You might wear a sombrero. Anyway, um, there are folks who can help us just with connections and we appreciate them all, okay? Certainly, if you're raising corals, Let's think about adding some broodstock to your tank. You need to keep those corals clean, right? One of the nicest ways to control some of the parasites is with fish. Fish that'll eat those parasites. So maybe those banded butterflies are just awesome. Well, we can't just put two banded butterflies together and have a pair that loves each other very much and cranks out eggs. They have to grow up a bit. So helping to grow up broodstock is important for us. Now I get that sometimes you put those fish in, and it's damn hard to ever get them back out. But if there's a way that you can do it, by something like that, please help us. Now, I get also that this probably doesn't reflect, hey, I've got you know my 50-gallon frag tank. But if you've got your 500-gallon frag, uh, sort of big tank raceway thing, Let's put, shut up, I don't remember what it's called. I'm old, I can't remember words, Paul. (laughs) But what's important is, there are lots of different ways to help us. And we are willing to get help from all sorts of areas. This is a student who did his Eagle Scout project in Hawaii, sort of setting up tanks to help with first feeding. The point of this is, there are so many ways to help that you probably haven't thought about. Sit home this evening after the, the, banquet and sit or sit in your room after the banquet and just say, hey, what can I do to help rising tide? All right. What can you do? Again, here's the list of 10. But what's important is there are lots of different ways to help. I want to talk about one way you can all help right now. What species of fish is this? What's the common name? Bengai. On a scale of One to four, how hard are they to aquaculture? One being, oh my God, it's a clownfish. Four being, oh my goodness, it'll never happen. One, maybe two, okay? 1.37. Do you think these fish should be collected from the wild or purchased as aquacultured specimens? Aquaculture, Aquaculture, well, you're like, uh, Judy, for God's sake, you're asking, okay? Here's what we have going on at Rising Tide. We'd like your help in promoting aquacultured bengai because lots of folks are still not focused on aquacultured bengai cardinal fish. We have a thing called, what's it called? Bengai the Bengai pledge. I don't know if that was one of the rising tide people or someone else who knew the answer, but the Bengay pledge. The Bengay pledge is about saying, hey, I'm only going to purchase new Bengay cardinal fish if they come from aquaculture. That should be an easy pledge to take. We're asking producers to say, I'm gonna produce more Bengai cardinal fish. We're asking wholesalers to say, I'm only gonna sell aquacultured Bengay fish. We're asking retailers to say the same thing. And in another month, we're gonna ask zoos and aquaria to say, we're only gonna get new aquacultured Bengai cardinal fish. So, those of you who already follow us on Facebook, those of you who are like, oh my God, I like your organization, please go on our website, or our Facebook page, or wherever you interact with us, and take the Bengay Pledge. And I'll tell you what, I'm just about done talking, but I got a stack of these stickers. If you are gonna take that Bengay Pledge, come and get one of these limited edition Rising Tide Bengay Cardinal Fish stickers, stick it on your laptop, stick it on your cabinet, stick it on your cat's butt, I don't care where you stick it, but stick it somewhere to show that you're proud of aquaculture, and that you're committed to the right aquaculture of species. We've got a great blog post that Amanda Townsend did that talks about Bengais and why we think aquacultured and are important. And if you don't think they're important, if you think we're full of crap, come talk to me and say, hey, here's why I think you're full of crap. Because I want to make sure that we're doing right aquaculture the right way to advance the industry. And I need your help. So I want your input. I want your thoughts. I want your money. Um, But I I want lots of things that folks can do to help raise the tide. Because the organization is called Rising Tide Conservation because a rising tide lifts all boats. And I'd like to do what I can to lift everybody in this room, to lift the marine industry, to lift the display industry, and to make a difference on coral reefs around the world. So with that, come line up if you want a sticker. And does anybody have questions?